Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Reed's listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. There is a concept that has become a little more familiar to us these last few years, the parasocial relationship. It's a one-sided relationship where one person spends energy or emotion or time thinking about another person who doesn't even know that that other party exists. But, you know, this concept isn't new. A couple of researchers came up with the term parasocial relationship back in 1956, after mass media like TV, radio, and movies gave people the illusion of a face-to-face relationship with the performer on the screen. Now, these days, we have even more avenues to spend time with people we don't know through social media. Maybe you've been following someone on Instagram for years, seeing them go through haircuts or partners or moves, talk to you about makeup or books or, you know, whatever. Their presence feels comforting, like it feels when you hang out with a good friend and watch TV or eat tacos. Except this person you follow on social media, if you pass them on the street, they look straight through you. Today's story, Hashtag Climbing Nation, is about one of those kind of relationships. About the loneliness and distance that you can feel when your friend is just a person you follow online. And what might happen if you tried to explore that friendship in real life. This story feels fresh and new to me, while also having the kind of classic elements of a mystery that you might find in an Agatha Christie novel. It's from Kim Fu's wonderful collection entitled Lesser Known Monsters of the 21st Century, published by Tin House. Kim Fu is also the author of two novels and a collection of poetry, and her story collection was long listed for the Scotiabank Giller Prize. The stories in her book are about death and technology and human nature and so much more. 
Please check out the written content advisory for this story in the episode description if you're into that kind of thing. And if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. Hashtag Climbing Nation by Kim Fu. As April came in the door, she could immediately tell that the two magnetic poles of Travis's memorial were his older sister, Mickey and his climbing partner, Zach. Everyone gathered around one or the other. April recognized them both from Travis's Instagram. Mickey sat with her feet up on the sofa in the living room that backed into the foyer, where she could both talk to the people sprawled at her feet on the rug and greet newcomers as they came through the front door without getting up. She nodded at April as though they knew each other. Mickey wore a black bodysuit and a patterned scarf the size of a beach blanket. The scarf was a riot of colors, and she held an end in each hand so the fabric moved and fluttered around her as she gestured. Mickey had a straight up and down body and long, elegant hands, amber eyes, and a triangular heap of curls that fell halfway down her back. She was appealing to look at, like a glazed cake. Zach presided over the small kitchen on the opposite end of the open-plan main floor. Casserole dishes and bottles of wine gathered on the counters. Zach wore gray technical shorts with oversized pockets and a plaid button-down, the sleeves rolled up and only the two center buttons done so that the tails flared out at the bottom and golden chest hair glinted over the top. He wasn't dressed appropriately, but who could blame him? Leaning back against the sink, he was appealing to look at in precisely the same way. April beelined for the end of what amounted to a receiving line to talk to Zach. She found herself smiling or grimacing, her mouth upturned involuntarily. How awful, everyone said. What a thing to witness. You must be a wreck. I'm so sorry. If you want to talk, I'm here. Their faces locked in those same smile grimaces as they patted him on the shoulder, the forearm, lingering. She looked out the window. The quiet street wound in wide curves, lined with trees, as in only the oldest, most expensive neighborhoods. Cathedral high elms touching canopy from opposite sides of the median. Weeping beach sweeping their hair along the sidewalk, magnolias in full pink bloom. 
Two teenage girls standing at the end of the driveway whispered in close conference, heads together as though debating whether to go inside. They turned and stared back at April. She wondered if they'd also gotten the address from the obituary. Did teenagers even know about newspaper obituaries? It was startling that the large room was filled with people her own age or younger, like a house party. She'd only been to funerals and memorials and wakes for elderly relatives. She had been lucky in that way. A bewildered widow or widower at the center, equally aged friends and siblings ringed tightly around them, oblivious small children running around the outside perimeter. April, somewhere in between. Where, she wondered, were his parents, his aunts and uncles? When she pulled up outside, she'd assumed this house belonged to his parents. The two-story craftsman had an older, lived-in sensibility. I'm glad you weren't injured, the woman in front of April said to Zach. I mean, obviously, I wish Travis had survived. I wish it hadn't happened at all. And, and of course, it's the worst thing that could happen to a person, to you. I mean, n- not as bad as what happened to Travis. I mean... I'm just glad that you're physically... I know what you meant, Zack said. Thank you. He clasped her hand between both of his. As soon as he released his grip, she turned and fled from the room. April knew it was an unfair thought, but up close, Zack did not look grief-stricken, like a haunted survivor. He had a healthy, well-rested glow. I'm April, she said, stepping forward. Travis and I were friends in college. I'm so sorry for your loss. Zack studied her, and she felt caught in the lie. She and Travis had gone to the same college and lived in the same dorm building. In theory, they'd gone to the same parties stood in the same rooms, but she couldn't remember if they'd ever actually met. A few months earlier, he'd seemingly popped up on all her social media feeds at once. A tiny figure in an endless series of high-altitude landscapes. Snowy fields above smoke-like clouds, Jagged cliffs piercing the sun. She'd been surprised to see that someone she'd plausibly known had 500,000 followers on Instagram, the population of a mid-sized city. She had no interest in mountaineering, yet she'd spent hours looking at close-ups of his knots, his blistered hands and shredded knuckles, his gear knolled on flat rocks. She'd watched Hundreds of short videos of him leaping for a hold or pulling himself up a chimney. Clicked like on hundreds of pictures of him posed hanging from a wall or standing backlit and triumphant at the peak. 1.4 million thumbs up for his hypnotic charisma in a YouTube video. She gathered that he had only recently become popular that everyone had found him at almost the same moment she did, 
the algorithm mysterious as fate. He was less a person than a quilt of these beautifully colored squares. His view of the world from above, geographic and breathtaking, was so different from wherever she was. Squatting over the toilet in her dark bathroom, lying in bed with a bag of unsalted tortilla chips balanced on her chest. He'd had the aura of a celebrity. And his sudden, violent death, his appearance in the mainstream news, felt perversely fitting. The famous should die famously. Thank you, Zach said. Can I ask? April paused. I understand if you don't want to talk about it, but I only know what I read in the news. She tried to soften her tone. How did it happen? The news stories had been brief but vivid. Zach and Travis had been on a day climb in the North Cascades. A storm came in and they wanted to get down quickly to avoid it. Something went wrong. Travis fell 300 feet. The longest article that April had seen was padded out by embedded social media posts. Travis's last post, a selfie in the car with Zach, mugging with their tongues out. Hashtag climbing nation, flooded with comments and crying emojis. April added one that felt true enough. I still can't believe it. You were such an inspiration. And felt a little thrill to see it pop up in the article, gathering hearts. The room went silent. Mickey craned her long neck in their direction. Zack shook his head, his bangs falling into his eyes. He combed them back with his fingers. It wasn't even forecasted to rain, he said. It happened really fast. The wind picked up, the sky went dark. We knew we had to bail. We decided to do a simul rappel. It's an emergency maneuver to get down fast, where you rappel down at the same time, using each other as counterbalance. Zack lifted his gaze. A rapt audience surrounded him. April noticed the teenage girls had come inside, hovering just past the threshold in the foyer. One mistake, man. Travis made one mistake. The rope slipped through and there was nothing I could do. He was just gone. April could see it from Zack's perspective. The rocks darkened and slick in the rain, his muscles trembling with exhaustion as he held his body tight to the wall. A sudden, sickening loss of tension. Watching Travis fall, the loose coil of rope falling after him, Zack reaching out a futile hand, his scream drowned out in a roll of thunder, a lightning flash illuminating nothing. Travis, too far below to see. And then what? April turned to the voice. 
Sitting in an armchair at Mickey's side, the man who'd spoken looked like he'd come from the same mold as Zack and Travis. About the same age, with the same wiry build, deep tan and shaggy hair. He wore a black suit over a t-shirt with no tie. How did you get down and back to the car, he said. I didn't, Zack said. I waited on the ledge for help. You both fell, but there was a ledge on your side? I didn't fall. I climbed down to the ledge. You were on the ledge when Travis fell, like you'd gotten to the ledge first? No, I climbed down to the ledge after Travis fell. Did the anchor fail? Obviously not, Zack snapped. I already said that he... He wiped at his eyes. You know what, Nick? I don't want to talk about this anymore. April stepped closer to Zack. She rubbed him gently on the back. At least Travis was doing something he loved, she said. He was, Zack said, sounding grateful. He really was. Nick exchanged a look with Mickey, who shook her head with a slight smile, as though they were agreeing to indulge Zack on this. Nick's dark suit was a little too large for him. He sat slouched on the chair with his knees wide apart, the fabric cooling around him like a shadow. Someone opened the unscreened windows, and the suburban noises, alien to Averill, joined the low din of the room. A screeching child's laugh, a bird singing incongruously into the evening, the hush of plants nestling against each other in the wind, the absence of cars. Mickey turned on a floor lamp, still without getting up, and the circle of light around her seemed to grow brighter and more defined as it won its war of attrition against the sun. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And now, let's get back to our story. The casseroles cooled and hardened. The wine bottles were emptied. When only a handful of people remained, 
April took it upon herself to start refilling everyone's glasses, opening a new bottle each time one was drained. The bottle opener was in the first drawer she tried, and she moved around the kitchen confidently, as though she knew it well. She bent at the waist and reached diagonally across Zack's chest to pour red into his glass, her chest close to his chin where he sat. April, you said, right? I don't think Travis ever mentioned you. You guys were close back in the day. You know how it is, she said. We saw each other every day when we were in school, and then we fell out of touch. I always meant to reconnect, and then I missed my chance. She held the bottle against her body. Her eyes stung. How sad that would be, if it were true. Wow, he said. To be honest, I was surprised there were so many people here. Travis was kind of a secretive guy, hard to get close to. I always thought he didn't have that many friends. Secretive? April said. He had half a million Instagram followers. Well, he was a climber and a photographer. That's not like actually knowing someone. He was secretive, Mickey chimed in. Her voice was musical, regionless, and her mouth opened wide when she talked. April had once clicked through a tagged photo at Mickey, 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 hashtag sibling goals, and seen under her name and profile picture the words theater artist. She waved at a group of people who were murmuring party condolences as they left. One patted Mickey on the shoulder awkwardly as he passed. Now April was alone with Mickey, Zack, and Nick. He had a lot of strange ideas, Mickey said. But he knew he had to keep them to himself for the sake of his internet presence, business, whatever it was. She gestured with her empty wine glass. April sidled over with the bottle, pleased to be useful in this way, to blend in like the help. Thank you, April. I did feel like he kept me at a distance, Zack said. We'd drive and camp for days and days, but mostly we talked logistics and online shit. You put your lives in each other's hands, Mickey said. I can't imagine anything more intimate. That's just climbing. Sometimes you do that with people you just met. Zack shifted in his seat. You fuck people you just met, but if you keep fucking them, it becomes intimate all the same. April put the bottle on the coffee table and slid in beside Mickey on the couch, Nick on Mickey's other side. What kind of strange ideas? Mickey twirled her scarf. What was that? You said Travis had a lot of strange ideas that he kept from his internet fans. Oh, you know, he was one of those people who thought the world was ending. Not in the biblical street preacher way. Climate change, peak oil, global pandemic, that sort of thing. That's not so strange, Nick said. Doesn't everyone feel that way by now? But I could see how that wouldn't go with his internet persona, April said. Travis's blandly inspirational captions 
the royalty-free rock music to which he set his videos, the continuous summits, peaks, without valleys, had lately been the best diversion from the apocalyptic news. For Travis, it went beyond that. He was prepared. Preparing. She looked around, meeting each of their eyes in turn. Mickey's thick black eyebrows and eyelashes made her eyes burn a lighter brown, almost gold. She shrugged exaggeratedly, and the wine sloshed in her glass. I guess I can tell you all. It doesn't matter now. She settled into the couch in a way that made her seem larger than before. Her arms open, her chest expanded, the scarf pulled outward to either side. In the silence, April became aware that sometime in the last few minutes, the sun had dropped below the hard line of the horizon. All at once, it was night. Open windows, portals to a depthless blue. The closed windows, watery mirrors. He had a cabin, Mickey said. Not that far east along Highway 2, but deep in the bush, in the mountains. It was impossible to get to on purpose. No roads, days of bushwhacking, scrambling, free climbing, river crossings. Completely inaccessible in the winter, high altitude, functionally a fortress, surrounded by danger. I knew about it, but only he knew where it was. That is, until he died, and I got the deed to the land. Have you been? April asked. I only just got the papers, and how would I get there? I could look into chartering a helicopter, I suppose, assuming there's somewhere to land. I find it hard to believe there's anywhere like that in the state that isn't either parkland or part of a reserve, Nick said. Believe what you like, Mickey said. That's how Travis described it, and I believe him. It's why he chose to build the cabin there. How did he even find the plot to buy in the first place, Nick asked. I don't know, Mickey said. She smoothed out a spot on her thigh where her bodysuit had ridden up and wrinkled. I don't know, because when he told me about it, I was furious. Why? April asked. Well, what does it say about who he planned to spend the end of the world with? Certainly not me. I'd never make it. Either he meant to go it alone, or... Mickey gestured at Nick and then Zack. Or with his adventuring buddies. He never mentioned it to us, Zack said quietly. Nick continued to press. If it's so hard to access, how did he construct the cabin? How did he get the materials and tradespeople there? According to the documents, it's more like a shack, Mickey said. And he built it himself. As for how he got the materials there, I would guess piece by piece. April pictured Travis free climbing with a bundle of two-by-fours strapped to his back. That part, if nothing else, fit into his internet aesthetic. 
I suppose I will have to go eventually. Mickey went on. It'd be a shame to let all the supplies go to waste. He was already keeping it stocked? April asked. Mickey nodded. He could only schlep so much in at one time, but I think at this point there's quite a lot of shelf-stable food, fuel, and water. And he was installing a gravity pump, I remember. There was a water source even higher up than the cabin, Nick said. Mickey waved one end of the scarf. Nick, I only know what Travis told me. I only learned where this place even is in the last couple of days. I'm amazed you got the deed already, April said. When my great aunt died, the bureaucracy of it all took forever. Travis had a will, Mickey said. He'd update it before he went on any big adventure trip, particularly overseas. Ironic that he died on a day climb practically in his backyard. Throughout the conversation, Mickey's tone had been droll, almost amused, dry of grief. She stared into the middle distance. Maybe I'll let the place rot up there. In a thousand years, an archaeologist can puzzle over it. All the gold. Gold, they chorused. Mickey laughed. I told you he was one of those people. He thought only gold would be worth anything in the New World Order. I know he was regularly buying one-ounce bars from a place on the east side and stashing them in the cabin. Nick was already looking it up on his phone. Right now, an ounce of gold is worth about $1,200. Mickey's features were large, cartoonishly expressive. She could lift her eyebrows almost to her hairline. Good Lord! Well, no wonder he had almost nothing in the bank. She stretched in her seat. I guess I will have to go to the cabin after all. That's too much money to leave for future archaeologists. Nick shook his head. This just doesn't sound like Travis to me. He was the most optimistic person I knew. There's optimism in being prepared, Mickey said. And I thought he was a big believer in never even hiking alone. Safety in numbers and all that. Can't imagine him bushwhacking solo to his fortress of gold. Death? Mickey began, seemingly pausing for effect. Has a way of unveiling the truth. But, as you said, Travis was many things. Let's talk about some of the others. April, I would love to hear what he was like in college. Oh? April put her glass on the table and topped it up. Nick? Zach? Did you guys know him then? Zach shook his head. He hadn't spoken in a while, and his expression was distant, faintly disturbed. We met after, when we were all working at the same ski resort. How about you, Mickey? Were you in close contact? No, not really. Travis and I were close growing up, and later, when I moved back, right up until he died. Mickey's voice continued to strike April as 
strange, over-enunciated with a perpetual note of irony. But we lost touch a bit when he was in college. I was living in L.A., and my life was busy and not terribly pleasant. April sipped her wine and considered. Everybody loved him, she said finally. He was funny, and he had a way of addressing a room full of people and making it feel like he was only talking to you. Girls would leave little post-it notes on his dorm room door. She was thinking of his vlogs and their comment sections. Mickey seemed to waver for the first time. She laughed again, softer, more bitterly. (laughs) That sounds right. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Let's get back to our story. April wasn't sure when she'd fallen asleep, but she woke up and Nick and Mickey were also out, the three of them huddled together on the couch. Zach wasn't in the room. April padded down the hall, her dry lips crusted violet from the wine looking for a bathroom. Coming around the corner, she could see into a study through the glass panels of its French doors. The lamp on the desk was on, its head downcast, blasting the tabletop with a startlingly bright yellow light in the otherwise dark room. She heard the artificial shutter sound of a phone camera. It took her a moment to see Zack bent over the desk taking photos of the papers arranged there. The bathroom was before the study, along the same wall. She ducked in to use it and then rejoined the others in the living room. Zack had not returned. She curled back up against Mickey, who stirred but didn't wake. Zack came back in a few minutes later. He gently shook Mickey by the arm. Mickey, I'm going to go. She grabbed onto his wrist without opening her eyes. Mm, Let's stay in touch, okay? Of course. Nick wasn't fully awake until the front door had opened and closed. Did Zach leave? 
Mickey made a noise of assent. Nick exhaled a long breath. <sighs> I feel bad for him. I really do. It's the kind of mistake anyone could make, and to be responsible for your best friend's death, that's devastating. Unbelievably devastating. But his denial is fucked up. Mickey removed her scarf, which she had been using as a blanket, and draped it over the top of the couch. It had become a part of her body in April's mind. It was like watching Mickey pop her arm from its socket or strip off her skin. Though the bodysuit went almost to her ankles, the material was thin and stretched to translucence. It doesn't matter. Travis is gone either way. It doesn't bother you having him blame Travis? Mickey started gathering up the glasses. April rose to help her. Whatever he has to tell himself to get through, I understand. How do you know he's lying? April said. Nick looked at Mickey, who nodded. There aren't that many ways that only one person falls from a simul rap, he said. Zack must have lost control of the brake and not tied an in-stop knot. Sounds to me like he got to a ledge and just unweighted without thinking, took his weight off the rope, as you usually do when you touch ground rappelling. So the rope slid through his device. There was no time to grab it. No knot at the end. Nick rubbed his face. His cheeks were flushed from the alcohol and creased from sleep. I'm just speculating, but I can't think of a way Travis could have made a mistake that led to his own fall in that setup. If Travis had fucked up, either they both would have fallen, or just Zach. Mickey and April put the glasses by the sink. Without asking, April put the stopper in the drain and started to fill one basin with hot water and soap. I wish I could be as understanding as you, Mickey, Nick said. I can barely look at him. He ran a hand through his floppy bangs, the same gesture Zack had made earlier, through the same haircut. April had seen Travis do the same thing while speaking directly to the camera held in his other hand. I know it was an accident, but I blame him. It's his fault that Travis is gone. I want to grab him and shake him and ask how he could forget to tie a fucking knot. It'd be easier if he just admitted it. I think I could forgive him then, but now it feels... Nick's voice cracked. Mickey left April to wash the glasses. She came and folded Nick into her arms. She was only a hair taller than him, but her long limbs and the way he shrank and crumbled in the embrace made them resemble a mother and child. Nick she said, speaking into his hair. Why don't you go home and go to sleep? We're all going to be dealing with this for a long time. One day at a time, okay? Nick nodded. He swiped at his eyes as he and Mickey pulled apart. He paused at the front door in his rumpled suit and said, It was nice to meet you, April. 
I wish it could have been under better circumstances. April nodded, unable to speak. The door clicked shut. Mickey walked the perimeter of the room, turning on all the lights, closing the windows, lowering the blinds. April set the wine glasses in the rack to dry and started rooting around in the drawers for plastic wrap to cover the mummified casseroles. It's so kind of you to stay and clean up when no one else did, Mickey said, leaving me to grieve in a messy house some friends. I have to tell you something. Oh? I saw Zach earlier, while you were asleep, in the study, taking pictures of some papers with his phone. I'm going to guess they were related to the cabin. Mickey turned and tugged on the cord to lower the last set of blinds. She was silent for a long moment. Finally, she said, Did you notice those two teenage girls today? What? Did you hear what I said about Zach? The girls arrived at about the same time you did. When I asked them who they were, they admitted they were just fans of Travis Online. They'd never met him. At first, I was going to ask them to leave. But then I thought, who was I to say they didn't know him just as well as any of us? Zach didn't know Travis enough to say whether or not he was a doomsday prepper. And Zach was the one who got him killed. April put down the box of plastic wrap. Her gaze darted to the front door. Strangers loved my brother, and I have hundreds, thousands of pictures and videos to remember him by. That's kind of beautiful in its way. Mickey was still staring at the covered window, the dusty vinyl an inch from her face. Crazy story, isn't it? How Travis died? No, well, that too, but I'm at the cabin. A hidden trove of gold where only the most skilled mountaineer can reach it? A treasure map left in plain sight when you can just download templates for wills and deeds off the internet. It's like something out of a children's book. Knowing Zach, he probably started packing a gear bag the second he got home, not wanting me and my helicopter to beat him. Mickey laughed. (laughs) Nick was driving me nuts with all those questions. How did Travis find it? How did he build? How could a place like that exist in this state? The wine felt like a dying animal in April's gut, and the embedded ceiling lights Mickey had turned on were queasily bright. April edged out of the kitchen toward Mickey and the door beyond. She was only just beginning to understand. Does it? Of course. There's plenty of high, remote places that would take days or weeks of backpacking to get to, surrounded by terrain that could easily maim or kill you in the approach. Especially if you were expecting a big cache of supplies and water when you got there. Mickey finally turned. Pinprick reflection in her eyes glittered like stars. Are you leaving? She asked abruptly, seeing April standing in the middle of the room. 
Yes. I'm sorry, again, for your loss. Mickey showed her teeth, her mouth twisted to the side somewhere between a grin and a sneer. Didn't you lose him too? Mickey stayed where she was, leaving April to see herself out. She didn't have a coat. April closed the door behind her. She hadn't realized she'd been holding her breath until she let it out on their front stoop, suddenly gulping air. This neighborhood had fewer streetlights than hers, Besides the one she'd just left, all the houses were dark. Zack and Nick were long gone, no sign of anyone on the sidewalk. In her car, she took out her phone. Her battery was almost dead. All of Travis's accounts had been deleted or changed to private sometime that day. A large error block in the news articles where the embedded posts had been, as had Mickey's. Without them, she couldn't think of a way to connect to Zach. His last name in the articles was uselessly common, and she couldn't remember his handles. She did not, in fact, know these people at all. She imagined trying to explain this to the police, that Zack might die trying to steal something that didn't exist. She didn't know where Mickey had sent him, where they should look. She imagined a skeptical officer sitting across from her in the middle of the night in the station for this sleepy, wealthy suburb Middle-aged, but still getting the graveyard shift, the skin of his face puffy and cracked like over-risen cake. Someone peripherally aware of Instagram and YouTube as something his children did. And who are you? He'd ask. Who are you to them? It's it's funny, this age that we find ourselves in of, of, you know, social media. And looking at social media through the lens of a celebrity death. It wasn't all that many years ago that I, I, I went to Michael Jackson's funeral um, downtown at Stable Center. And it was, you know, it was, it was huge and it was weird, but it was Oddly intimate. And I think that was because of who was involved. You know, I was invited by a friend of mine that had worked very closely with, with Michael, my friend Greg Fillingane's keyboard player. And, you know, and his, his, it was his family and his, his brothers and his kids, um, his parents who were on stage eulogizing Michael. And See, that's the thing. The journey that April goes through 
in this story is one that, you know, I, I can actually relate to, right? I mean, I, I met Michael Jackson twice. So it's not like we were good friends, not like we were friends at all. And, and everything I knew about him, I knew for the most part through what I'd heard or read or seen, not necessarily through personal experience. And, you know, that sense of being not just out of place, but maybe a little bit of a fraud, right, for even daring to intrude on a moment as sacred as that. Friends and family gather to mourn and celebrate appropriately. I am acutely aware that when I go, um, <laughs> there, there are going to be people who I've never met that feel some kind of way. And, and I get it. And I, I guess, at the end of the day, I feel like if you genuinely feel in your heart that, that you have a reason to be grateful for the presence and passage of another human being, that, that that's a good thing, you know, that, that that should be honored, right? That, that feeling, whatever it was, the inspiration or the kinship or, you know, however it is you connect to another person, if you feel that genuinely as a fan, as a friend, as a family member. I mean, there are obviously degrees of depth, but the feeling is a genuine one, I believe. Yeah. Let's talk about the ending for a second, because I, I'm, I did not see this coming. I did not see the sister as being that, um, not simply sinister, but um, far thinking. I mean, she really thought this through, and and even though the the author does not reveal the depth to which she knew her brother's friends, she knew them well enough to know, right, how close they were or weren't and what their response to his, not just his death, but the idea that he left something behind of value that only they had the ability to access, really. So I loved the ending. I, <laughs> I loved being surprised by the devious nature um, with which she exacted her sibling revenge. It's quite impressive, I thought. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is the one and only Julia Smith. She is the best in the business, y'all. Our fabulous researcher is Lakeisha Lewis. Editing and sound design by Justin Asher, one of our new kids on the block who's not so new anymore. And thank you to Tamika Weatherspoon for her invaluable research and production support. 
My thanks to Kim Fu and her publisher, Ten House, for allowing me to read her story today. You can find it in Kim's collection, Lesser Known Monsters of the 21st Century, again published by Ten House. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. Pick your favorite story and send it to them. And hey, you can hear episodes ad-free if you like and also listen to exclusive bonus author interviews on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar to start your free trial. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And I am LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. LeVarBurton.com is my corner of the internet and you can join my book club at fable.co slash LeVar. I'll see you all next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.